0: Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Steadfast. That was the first time I walked onto the stage tonight. All right. Everyone's excited. Woo! 2008, brand new year. Huh? Yeah. What's up? 2008, brand new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, gosh. All right, welcome tonight. Welcome. Uh, I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready for this message tonight. It's going to be good. I have a feeling. Um, Tonight, I'm talking about something that I hope is redundant and boring. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I hope that I speak something that when you hear it at times, you think, This is old hat. I've heard it before. At times when I speak it that you think, I already know this. That's what I hope you feel tonight during parts of this message. Um, I hope that as I speak, some of these things are already so well ingrained in your spirit that you could finish my sentence before I even get it done. Tonight, I want to bring back to you once again, MOVE. Yes. Move. Move is our word for 2008. That's why I said 2008, a brand new year. For those of you who weren't here, right off at the beginning, every year we pick a word, a vision word to focus on for the entire year. A word that's going to shape everything that we do in ministry. The way that we um, preach, the way that we teach, the way that we make this community work. And this year, our vision word was this, this short and simple um, but very, very deep word, move. It can have so much implication. Um, As I said before, to move is quite simply to not be in the same place that you are right now. To be in a different place, to change your location, that's the most simplest explanation of move, to not be here in a certain period of time. Over the years, God has been described, (coughs) excuse me, as constant. Never changing, always the same. However, God is a moving God. Though his character is the same, his values do not change, his love never runs out or ever spreads thin. God is still active and moving. Yeah, even though all those things are so constant, it's not that he's still, he is still a moving God. I say this, God did more in the book of Genesis than we will ever see through the rest of history. He was a mover. God invented moving. You ever think about that? Moving didn't exist before God. He's the one who thought up the idea of moving and put it into practice. He's the originator. Before him, the idea didn't even exist, the idea of movement. It wasn't even around God proved his absolute love for movement in a number of ways. But here are a few that I just want to list to really let you see that God, man, he is just in love with movement. First and foremost, when you look at his creation, you understand that he is a God of movement. You think about the fact that when God created the earth, he created all things inside of it to give him honor, to give him benefit um, in order to bring glory to him. Man, look around at nature. It is a frenzy of movement, isn't it? It's crazy all that stuff that happens. You see that God is, is the most creative force you could possibly ever imagine. If you think creativity comes from yourself, you're wrong. Creativity stems from God. Think about the stuff that he's done. We have plants that eat animals. Have you guys ever looked at the lemur? That is such a crazy, weird creature. Did you know that unlike almost all other different types of of animals that have scent glands, scent glands are often located near genitalia for the uh, little more clean since we're not in the sex series. Lemurs or lemurs have their their scent marking things on their wrists. How weird is that? Man, God is crazy. Yes, they're, they're like scent-producing gland, just like all those other animals that we have, like cats and stuff, they spray, right? Those are on their wrists. And when they go to mark stuff, they take and rub their wrists and then rub it on trees. And when they get in fights, they dip their hands and their tail on it and throw it at each other. Man, God is crazy inventive. You look around and you see that this world is, is man, it is just alive with movement. And that's God created it's to bring God glory because he loves this movement. Like I said, man, think about plants. You ever see like time lapses of how much plants can move? As sun turns around, these plants, these huge plants will take and turn and follow sun. Animals, just, I mean, I, countless numbers of, of small insects all the way up to the largest of animals in this world. How about awesome stuff like waves? Or maybe just the crazy idea of wind. That's God. Movement. It's a God invention. But he also shows this this love for movement in his people. As time went on, he created man, which is the crowning glory of his of his, his creation. He loved man so much. He made him as something very, very special, a lot different than all the other animals. But as you look through the Bible, man, you see that God is just He is filled with movement for His people. All the way back from the very beginning when He when he made Adam and Eve and, and he took and he had to kick him out of the garden. Then he floods the world and he sends Noah, you know, to take and, and, and build this ark. And he takes and leads all of his people out of the slavery across this, this desert wasteland to their promised land. And there's all this movement that God takes his people through. Later on, as we see people in the New Testament, we see men who traveled great, great distances. God called them to not just be here, but to then take what they learned and go a long distance away to be able to speak it. Man, God is a moving God. He instituted this moving into his people. But if God is moving, then he wants us to be moving as well. He does not want us to be still. In fact, as I said before, stillness infuriates God. He hates stillness. Because that's how God works. If God loves something, he hates the opposite. If he's for something, he's against the opposite. God is black and white. He does not deal in grace. If he loves movement and he hates stillness, I can show you an awesome story. And I've read it to you before, but it's powerful. So I want to read it to you again. And it's in Matthew 25. And it's a story about what they call the investment. I'm going to read it to you in the message because it reads just like a story. It says, It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. This is Matthew 25, um, starting in verse 14. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to a third 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investments. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of the three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled the investment. His master commended him, Good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2000 showed how he had doubled the master's investment. His master commended him, Good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given 1000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent but the master was furious. That is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with a banker where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into the utter darkness. This is a description of us here on earth by God, through Jesus Christ. He's talking about how each and every one of us is given talents. We're given abilities. We're given resources. And how God calls us to use these resources to the best of our ability. Man, to take what he give us, and when you finally come back, when, when the Lord finally settles up with you, you can say, I took what you give, and man, I doubled it. I took and went out. And maybe even better than that, but to say, you know, like, you saved me, and I helped communicate salvation to 1, 2, 10, 50, 100, 200, 1,000 people. That's what he wants to see out of this investment. He wants to see the fact that you gave me purity, and I absolutely dug into it, and I doubled that investment you put into my life. And see, he hates this stillness. He took the money right away from that man, and he just cast him out. That's exactly what God is saying with all of us, is that he gives us abilities, he gives us talents, He gives us time, and we are supposed to move with that. To be still with it, he hates. It makes him just sick. Paul, who was perhaps probably one of the most influential people after Jesus Christ came here on earth, man, he did so much for God's kingdom. He lived much of the same life, like I'd said. Man, Paul traveled. He moved for God. God would call him to go to an area and he would go. He walked thousands of miles, walked back before any travel was around. It's crazy. And he says this. Um, actually, it's in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And um, I like the way that the message puts it in this. I'm just going to read it to you. You guys don't even have to turn there. Um, but he says, in light of this, he's talking about when he's in prison. Here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, Run on the road that God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around in your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. So Paul says, you know, like, he understands the calling. He's locked up in prison, and he's saying, man, you guys got to get out there. Like, he's kind of, like, speaking from like an oppression on himself. And then Paul is a mover, and he's locked up in this jail cell. And he says, man, when I'm here, you guys got to get out there. You got to start walking. Better yet, run and tell all these people about Jesus Christ and really make love your focus between you all. When we've talked about moving the past, we actually set out and we identified different areas of our lives that need to be opened up to this idea of God movement, of moving what God has for your life. We talked about the fact that we, we identified four areas. One being personal devotion to God, that we have to move in that. Two being ministry service, that each of us have abilities and just talents to be able to use in ministry for God's kingdom. Third, in witnessing opportunities, that there are so many people out there who need to hear who God is. And fourth, in God's plan for our own life. I pray that maybe... um, if you were here for this first message, or maybe even the second message, that this has actually become part of your heart, that you've taken it and you've made it your own vision for this year. Because I I said that. I said, you know, we can't make this steadfast vision word if you don't make it your vision word, because you are steadfast. I can't say this is going to be the vision for for this ministry if you guys don't have it, because it's not then. It doesn't matter what I say if it's not in your hearts. Maybe if you're just now hearing it tonight, it's something that's actually beginning to work on your heart and you're thinking, maybe God really is this moving God and maybe I'm not moving the way that he wants me to. But what I wanted to bring you tonight wasn't just a reminder of move. As exciting as that is, as cool as that is to rethink about move, um, even though that that's really important. But what I wanted, you to bring, I wanted to bring you tonight was something to go along with move. That's where it gets exciting. I wanted to talk to you about the idea of acceleration acceleration is a really cool thing. The notion of acceleration is actually fascinating when you think about it. It's crazy. I don't know if we have any um, physics majors in here. Any physics majors? Good. (laughs) So then you won't argue with me. But from my knowledge of physics in the past, okay, from my knowledge of physics in the past, acceleration in physics is defined as no more than a change in the rate of speed something travels. And in physics, acceleration is both positive and negative. If you're speeding up, that's positive acceleration. If you're slowing down, that's negative acceleration. Acceleration is just this change in rate. However, when you talk about, like, how we talk here on Earth, <laughs> not in physics realm, but you talk about how we do, most people use acceleration to mean speeding up, a rate change um, of the speeding up. And people use the slang term, it's like it's actually been denoted as a real term now, of deceleration, meaning to slow down. Okay? All it is, is a change in the rate of speed that you are traveling. That's all that really acceleration means. For tonight, though, we're going to talk about acceleration as a positive change because that's how we most commonly use it. Um, Acceleration is a major part of the whole world around us. In in so many different aspects, we see acceleration um, time and time again. In fact, some people begin to get hooked on acceleration. Myself included. If any of you guys really like cars, I'm a car nut. Love cars. There's nothing quite as fun as accelerating very fast in a car. It's a feeling that's amazing. Even going fast is fun, but it's it's about that acceleration, that being slammed back in your seat. That's where it really gets fun. Because actually, as we talked all about move, movement is really fooling, extremely fooling to our own human bodies. Although there's energy being used and there's work being done to propel something, such as walking or whatever like that, um, when it's executed at a steady rate of speed, it gets comfortable. Let me explain this to you. Um, right now, you're sitting, and some of you are drinking your coffee, right? Who's taking a sip of their coffee at this exact moment? Nicole, she has her, she has her coffee, right? And she can easily take and sip on her coffee right now, right? Right? Now, if she was sitting in a car going 100 miles an hour, right? But the car is going at a steady 100 miles an hour, she could do the exact same thing. She wouldn't feel anything different. She could take, lift her cup up to her mouth, no problem. Wouldn't feel like anything's going on. It'd be comfortable because it's executed at a steady rate and everything is moving together. The coffee cup, the liquid in the inside of the cup, um, her body sitting in the seat, everything is all being propelled forward at the same rate of speed. However... If you take Nicole with her coffee cup and you set her in the passenger seat of a really fast car, and as she goes to drink, you slam it into first gear and you just power down the quarter mile. <laughs> quarter mile in, let's say, hmm, my dream is to have a, is to have a flat 13-second car, okay? Like 12, thir- sub-13, that's my dream, okay? Sub-13-second car for a whole quarter mile, just bah! She'd go to take a sip of her coffee and it would just spill all over In fact, on a car that's going that fast, probably she wouldn't have time. She wouldn't be able to lift up her arm because she'd be pinned back in her seat and she'd probably be really scared and she wouldn't even want to try to take a drink because she wouldn't be able to control her arm because it'd be going so fast. You see, the acceleration is what we feel. We don't feel the speed. You can be going in a car going 10 miles an hour or 100, but your body gets comfortable with that. We get used to the steady speed. But acceleration is what we feel. You know, the same thing applies to our lives. The exact same principles apply to our lives. Whether you're a slow-paced or a fast-paced person, there are people, I don't know, hopefully not in this room, who are the wake up whenever, eat a bowl of cereal and watch your cartoons, maybe eat lunch, chill for a while, take a nap, hang out, and then go to sleep. It's a pretty, pretty... Pretty hardcore day, isn't it? Then there's some, man, who live this, this turbo-charged schedule of regiment, of waking up, and all these different things that have to be done. Boom, 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 right down the line that has to be set up before they even leave the house. And then they're out of the house for an extended period of time. Maybe they have a high-pressure job with multiple meetings they have to arrange, a breakfast with somebody, a lunch with somebody, a dinner meeting with someone as well. Then on the way home, they're talking on their phone to be able to complete calls to get it done for the next business day, and there's this insane schedule. But what's interesting is... After it's done for a little while, if it's steady, it just becomes comfortable. just becomes used to whatever you're doing. That person who wakes up and does nothing, or that person who has that insane regimen, when they do it over and over again, and it's the same, it just gets comfortable. It just gets used. You're just normal. Nothing exciting. You see, what happens is in either situation, it's not until acceleration takes place that you see a difference. That person who sits around all day, oh, dad says, get a job acceleration, complete acceleration of life, maybe for the positive there, I guess it would be, or maybe that person with the job, they take, and their boss just says, I have like these three different deadlines they put in their life, acceleration, and they feel it, they feel the stress in their body, they feel the fact that they're maybe up later, and, and everything starts to really go, or maybe even in the opposite direction, talk like physics, negative acceleration, you go on vacation, and everything just slows down. And you feel that negative acceleration, don't you? That deceleration in our bodies and in everything that we do. You see, even in life, a lot of times we don't feel the movement. We don't feel the speed. It's not until some sort of acceleration takes place that we actually notice something's changing. Something's diff- different, excuse me. Um, the acceleration is what we feel. And the same exact principles of physics of our lives also applies to our relationship with God. It's the same thing. I don't know how much of you, I mean how many of you, and how much you have taken move on as your own. I haven't really pushed a lot. Maybe I should have and really asked you guys a lot more. I don't know how much you've taken move and you've really made it a part of you. Um, I don't know how fast you're moving. I don't know how slow or how fast you were before move was even introduced and at what type of of rate of speed you are moving. Um, But what happens is after we begin to move, we can once again get comfortable at the rate that we are traveling. We can once again fall back into staleness and monotony, even at our moving pace. God not only calls us to move because he does call us to move, but God calls us to accelerate. There's a verse that reminds me of this. Hebrews 12:1. Read it in any translation, but I love what it says in The Message. It says, "Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us." No, excuse me, that was NIV. In The Message it says, "Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin." Man, strip down start running and never quit. That's what God's saying. He's saying not just the fact that you need to move, but man, you need to accelerate. You need to power as hard as you possibly can. You need to be moving, but God is not just satisfied with moving. Sorry. I know it brought mood to you is this powerful thing, but God's not just satisfied with your movement, but he wants you to be accelerating. Once you get into a standard set of movement and it's, it's consistent, you fall right back into stagnation. God calls us to sacrifice. It's probably one of the biggest themes I've found as I've read through the Bible time and time again is I look at what God calls for people. He calls for sacrifice. For us to forget some of our own self and to really focus on him. And he he calls us with this free gift and yet this call for a lot of hard work that he has set out for our lives. He didn't just call you to hang out, but he has tasks that he wants you to take care of for him. He has things that he wants you to do. I've heard people say, and I think I'm starting to believe it in my own life. You guys might be there, you might be past this, or you might not be there yet. It's not that I'm ahead of anybody or behind anybody, but I think I'm just starting to realize the fact. A guy once told me, he says, you know, when I start to get comfortable in my relationship with God, I get scared. Because God doesn't call us to be comfortable. God calls us to sacrifice. And God calls us to work hard for him. And when it starts to get comfortable, I start to get scared because I think I must not be giving it my all yet. Because I know that I've told God I'd give him everything, so why would he stop at anything less? You know what I mean? Each day in our relationship with God, we should accelerate a little faster. We should feel a change in ourselves. We should feel a little bit of strain, a little bit of that pressure of acceleration. Like I said before um, in previous messages, and I'm serious Do not ever tell me that you're the same person tomorrow as you are today. That's an offense. And like I said before, even worse, don't ever tell me that you're the same person tomorrow as you were yesterday because that is just a slap in the face of God. God calls us every day, every day, to take and pick ourselves up and to work a little harder, to work a little faster. Um, Luke 9.23 says this, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus is talking about that if you want to follow me, man, be prepared to sacrifice. But he doesn't just say once. He says every day you're going to have to pick that up and you're going to have to sacrifice yourself. Every day you're going to accelerate a little bit more, a little harder. Not just move, but to accelerate as well. So where do we need to accelerate? How can we accelerate if we are moving? If you're not moving, focus on move first. Then let's talk about acceleration. But where can we accelerate? And I thought, why don't we go back and just look at these four different areas that we pinpointed in our own lives, that we need movement. How can we accelerate? How about personal devotion? We talked about how we need to be moving in our personal devotion, and this includes stuff like reading our Bible, praying, identifying sin in our own lives, and finding ways to cut them out, find accountability as such. Where are we at on this? Are we moving? Are we stagnant? Are we really going fast? If we have moved, have we plateaued? If we said something like, man, I need to move. I need to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start reading one chapter a day, two chapters a day, five chapters a day. Have we just plateaued? And now that's, that's all we do, and it becomes consistent and kind of stagnant. Can we accelerate? Can we pray more? Can we read more? Can we seek God with a more diligent heart, with a more passionate heart. Why can't you be at prayer? Why can't you be to service on time? You know, where's that, where's that devotion? Where's that passion? Can you not accelerate? Colossians 1.9 says this, as you learn more how God works, you'll learn how to do your work. I like that. The more and more you learn about how God works, you're going to understand the work that he's called you to and what you're supposed to be doing on a daily basis. But it takes that consistent growing of saying, Yeah, I used to read one chapter a day. Now I'm going to read two chapters a day. And, you know, as time goes on, you say, I'm going to continue to accelerate. You know, I can't wait for the day, someday, way down the line, to be one of those old men of God who have nothing to do but sit around and read his Bible all day and pray. How insane would that be to think about the fact that you become one of those people that when they talk to you about the Bible, That you read like a hundred chapters a day. You just pour over God's word every day and pray. Man, could you imagine just the deepness and the connection with God? How amazing that would be. I don't have the ability to read a hundred chapters a day right now, but I'm going to keep on accelerating. And you know, maybe God's going to bless me someday with being able to do something like that and just pour over his word and really know his heart. But can we accelerate in whatever we are doing? Can we do it harder? Can we do it faster? You guys ever been on a team, ever played any sports, even just for fun, right? There's this whole role of people who get paid called coaches. I mean, you talk about like NFL and like all these different things, these coaches get paid tons of money. And you know what their primary goal usually is? To get the players to accelerate their talent. This is where you're at. That's great. You know what? A good coach would come in, someone like a Michael Jordan, and they'd say, Here are your flaws. How can you be better? Even someone who's like off the charts insane, a good coach would come in and say, but you can do better at this. You can be faster here. You can work on this. That's what God's saying, is that we need to accelerate. Secondly, in ministry service, like I said before, ministry is a way to get into Christ's spirit. If we focus on our own feeding of ourselves, we'll get fat spiritually, which is cool. We'll get knowledge. But if you focus on other people's, man, you'll learn even more, even faster. Because that's how Christ was. He didn't come to exalt himself, but he came to really pour into other people's lives. Maybe you have done some ministry since we talked about this. Maybe you haven't really done a lot. I know just personally, um, absolutely steadfast, we need to do more. I asked you guys to fill out sheets, and we've done some things with this. We started working on stuff for, um, like, food and and worship and these different things. But there's a lot more that we need to do, and I'm sorry for that, that we need to get get better and accelerate at these things. Maybe even just to the point of, if, if you really feel like God's saying, man, I need to accelerate in the ministry I do, just stop me and just say, Cameron, I really feel like I need to really do something in ministry. And just let's pray about it. And maybe God has something that I've been thinking of, that you've been thinking of, that you can really get into and get your hands onto. If nothing else, can we not accelerate our love for ministry? And our respect for those people that do it. Pastors, leaders, and really appreciate it and say, I appreciate the kind of ministry that they're doing. Third, witnessing opportunities. God has never, ever called anybody to be still when it comes to witnessing opportunities. Go through and look at when the Lord talks about being still. Um, It's never going to come at a time when it's talking about witnessing. Absolutely not. He wants us to be movers and shakers. You guys ever heard that term? I love it. Movers and shakers when it comes to telling people about Jesus Christ. We have to move when it comes to min- witnessing. Maybe we're already trying. Maybe we're, we're trying to target that coworker. We're trying to target that, that classmate or whatever, or that friend that we, you know, maybe a long-lost friend or something like that that we're buddies with again. We're trying to target that person and say, yeah, I'm going to talk to them about Jesus Christ. Um, I just want to make a comment, just a thought. Everyone gets so scared about talking about Jesus Christ, right? Everyone's like, oh, I don't know what the response is going to be. Let me just remind you this, okay? It isn't your job to sell Jesus Christ. It's not your job to try to push Jesus Christ on them and convince them to take Jesus Christ. I think maybe that's kind of how we feel sometimes. Let me tell you this. The knowledge of who Jesus Christ is in relationship is like you holding a lump of gold in your hand. And all you have to do is show it to somebody and say, do you want this? That's all that telling people about Jesus Christ is. And you know what? There are people who are going to look at it and they're not going to see gold. They're going to look at it and to them it doesn't look like anything pretty and they're going to walk away. But there are those who are ready that you're not going to have to sell it, but when you open your hand and say, do you want this piece of gold? They're going to grab a hold of it and say, of course I want this. That's what we have when we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's witnessing. You don't have to sell it to somebody, but you have to show them and say, man, it's changed everything for me. It's changed everything. Maybe it could change something for you. Like I said, you don't have to sell it, but we need to accelerate on this. If you have been talking to people, man, if you have just developed those people, maybe you you really haven't even been speaking yet, but you've looked and you've seen people. You've identified them in your mind and said, those are the people who I'm going to target. Then accelerate. Step out and say, you know, I'm not just going to do the the least of praying for them, but when I get to work, I'm actually going to talk to them, and I'm going to mention about Jesus Christ in my own life. When that situation comes, because, you know, I know that you've all been there before, where a situation comes and you realize, like, a question that's asked to you, or a way something is phrased, and you realize that this is the point where I can say something about Jesus Christ in my own life, that you don't just hesitate and let that moment pass. We talked about before that every opportunity in life is followed by a too late. Every opportunity that's given to you is followed by this wave of too lates. And if you don't take the opportunity right away, those too lates are just going to come in and smash it, and it's gone. Not to return again. Can we accelerate and can we get faster? That when, that when that time comes, when that moment comes that we know, man, I'm supposed to say something. Those doubts come, but immediately coming behind is move and you step out and you say, you know what? Personally, my own life, and you can explain it to someone else. You can offer that, that gold to them. If nothing else, how about this? Ask for an increasingly broken heart for those who don't know the Lord. Yeah. I just prayed this recently, and I, I, I'm going to continue to pray it. Um, there's some new stuff going on in my life which I want to talk to you guys about. But, I realize, man, if there's anything that I need, it is Christ's heart when it comes to people who aren't saved. Just that broken heart where I can't just smile at them and feel like everything's fine. But when I see them, it just breaks my heart to know that you do not understand who Jesus Christ is. That if you were to die, that you do not go into his grasp, but you go into Satan's. Man, that breaks my heart. Ask for that. Have you ever read in Matthew 15.32 in the message? I love They're talking to Jesus Christ, and he says, just these these five little words, he says, I hurt for these people. That's how he describes those that are lost. He says, I hurt for these people. That deep down inside of him, there's a pain because he looks at them, and he sees that they're so lost that it just hurts. Man, if nothing else, accelerate and say, God, give me that broken heart, that I can't just look at those people and see that everything's fine. But instead, it just hurts to look at them. Also, we can accelerate in God's plan. God has an amazing plan for each and every one of us. I'm not blowing smoke up your skirt when I tell you that, okay? That's in the Bible. Each and every one of us, God has an amazing plan, an amazing plan for our, for our lives. Um, God has an awesome plan for everybody, but you guys here who are actually trying to understand what God's plan for you is, man, I know that you guys have even more amazing Because if God's bringing you into a deeper knowledge with him, there's a reason why. There's a reason why you've been brought here. There's something special that you're going to do. I know I've said it before, but I'll say it every single week if I have to. I completely believe the fact, I heard a preacher say once, that every person on this earth has a specific task of their life. He says, wouldn't it make sense that our God, who has a purpose for every single person, wouldn't give to each and every one of us in our lives a task that no one else is called to fulfill but us? That each and every one of us have that task. And maybe we'll never even know it until we get to heaven and God explains. But that each and every one of us have a specific task that God has called us to do. And are we going to be ready for it? If God's calling you to move, move. A lot of people have a sunset mentality. Do you know what that is? It's this. Just like in all those old movies, that at the end what happens The guy grabs his gal, they jump on a horse, and they ride into the sunset. There are so many people that look at God's will and God's plan for their life, and because they don't see the sunset, they'll never take a step. Because they don't see the finish. They don't see that beautiful ending yet. And they're just frozen in where they are. You cannot have that sunset mentality. If God has showed you 10 feet, walk 10 feet. Move inside of that that he has given you. You have to keep on moving in it. Like I said um, before, I think I even talked about it um, last time, about the fact that you're not going to be able to see around the corner yet. You're not going to be able to see over the horizon yet. But you see enough, and God gives us things that we know we have to do. If God's calling you to do something, there might be five different prerequisites that you have to get done first. You know what I mean? Little things that you've got to take care of and accelerate in that and say, man, I'll do these and I'll do these diligently. I'll take care of these in my own life. I'm not just going to work at these half-heartedly, but I'm going to work at them hard because I know and I promise to you, I promise to you by God's spirit, the fact is that if he shows you 10 feet, when you get to that 10 feet, he'll show you more. God is not a God who slows us down. Man, his plans are far bigger than we can possibly ever imagine. If he shows you 10 feet, he's got 20 right behind that to show you, but he's waiting for you to get to that point and then he's going to light the way for your next steps. Move in that. Accelerate in that. Whatever move is sparked inside of you, let's accelerate it. Let's do it better. Let's do it harder than we ever had before. Let's work even more uh, just absolutely devoted and passionate. I said before and I got it from the Bible, but carve move into your hearts. That is such a deep part of your life that it's not something you can separate yourself from. This idea that I have to move, I have to follow what God's plan is, that He's called me to do something, and I'm going to move in it. Put it on our hearts. If it becomes each and every one of our visions, it will truly become steadfast vision. It's a word that will drive us through our day and keeps us going, even in the hardest of times, to move. The reason why I'm speaking this, this time, right now, during this year, it's because it has been one half of the year since we spoke this message first. One half of the year has gone. One half of our time has disappeared. Glass of water. I'm sure all you guys have holden- heard like an old saying, right? You can look at a glass of water, well, that glass half empty, or is that glass half full? Here's the deal. When we look at this year and we look at move, it's easy to have regrets. It's easy to have tears to look back and say, I should have moved. Man, there's a person who I should have talked to. There's something that I, I should have done with it being half over. And you're seeing that empty that empty void that's sitting there. But that's not what I want for tonight. And that's why I have this here tonight. It's not for you to look... At this half empty, but what I want for tonight, you might come up here and you might have a couple of tears because that's cool. God calls us to do that stuff too. But what I want you to look at tonight is that this glass is half full. Not that half of the year is gone, but we still have half a year left. To not be in tears because of what used to, what could have happened, what didn't happen, but instead tonight to look at this glass and see that I'm excited because I have half a year left to truly move and accelerate in what God has for me. That when you look at this, you see so much potential. This can symbolize so many things, people, situations, the plan for God in your life and and what you're going to do. They're just wrapped up in this cup right here looking at it. You see there's so much, there's so much time to be used and to be cultivated for what God's purpose is. Be excited for what God can do through accelerated movement. You have to move. And once we begin moving, we must accelerate. Here's what I want tonight. Um, I want to pray for you guys. And then what I want to do is I want to just give you an opportunity. <clears throat> and I don't know if you guys, some of you guys don't even know move. You've never even been here. Maybe, it's, you know, it's brand new to you. And you might say, you know what, God's really put this on my heart, and it's true, I need to move. Or maybe some of you are sitting there and, and you said, man, I've heard move before, but it just got rebirthed in my heart. What I want you guys to do tonight is uh, Cassie's going to come up here and she's going to play a couple songs for you. Actually, Cassie's going to play songs that she wrote for uh, tonight and amazing songs. And what I want to do is, is during these two songs, okay, if you've taken and you've really committed to move and you say, you know what, this is my heart, just as the first movement for this year, I want you guys to come out of your seats and come towards the front of this altar. And this isn't because I'm trying to make some sort of super spiritual gesture. It's not, okay? It's because there's been times in services where I've had the ability to get out of my seat and come to the front of an altar, and it's absolutely changed my life. That's why I offer this. Once again, I'm not trying to sell anyone on anything. I'm offering you gold, Okay? I'm offering you an ability to take that I 100% believe that as we come humbly before this altar and we, we lay ourselves down to God, that he is here and he will meet with us. As we take and we say that we want to sacrifice ourselves to move, that God is a fulfilling God to come into our hearts and to do the opposite, the, the second half of that, the second act in our hearts. So if you say that this is you, I want you guys just to come down, and it might, man, it might be minutes, it might only be a few seconds that you're going to come and you're going to say, God, I really, really, I promise to move. I want to move. I want to accelerate. And to get this deep down inside your heart. And we'll have, we'll have uh, some words up here. And if, if anything else, let's finish this time out just in worship of God because he's worth, man, every second of our praise, every breath in our bodies, he's worth it. So I want to pray with you guys, and then I want Cassie to, to, to start playing, and I want you guys just to come. If you really have said, this is move, this is me, I want you guys to come up here, okay? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord God. I thank you for your, just your death on the cross that paid for everything. It's the only reason why I can speak tonight. The only reason why I can say your name unashamedly because of you paying for the sins that, that have weighed me down. But tonight, Lord God, we focus on what you have for our lives, what we can do to satisfy what you've called us to do, Lord God. God, I know that you are a moving God, and you have called us to move, that you have never called us to be still. But instead, you have these amazing plans, these, these things that we're supposed to accomplish for you, and we want to move in them. And not only move, but we want to accelerate and do better. So God, I pray to you tonight that just as we lay down ourselves and we say, God, I am willing to move, I am willing to And I am just excited, Lord, to move in you, that you're going to meet that halfway. That as we walk up to this altar, that you're going to be here as well to touch hearts, to give encouragement, to show areas of our lives that have to be cut out. Lord God, that that when we come here, that we truly feel you, Lord God. It's not an empty, um, just something to fill service, but instead it's just a union with you, Lord God, as we make our promise to you and as you fulfill it in us. I thank you, Jesus Christ, and it's in your name that I pray and in your name that we count for all these things. Amen.